Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. So here's what we're going to be talking about over the next 75 minutes. I promise to share with you my latest insights. After my introduction, I promise to share with you my latest insights on what I see are the biggest problems or gaps stopping uh, small business and entrepreneurs and salespeople from growing. Um, you'll notice in my remarks, my, my remarks are, and my expertise is B2B sales. So if you're B2C or part B2C on here, um, just know that my, my uh, sharing will be more focused on the B2B. And then also um, who I've been dealing with is early sales to 50 million. So you'll, you'll, and I know there's a few institutional people, big sales on big companies. So I'm interested in your feedback. If you're seeing the same thing as I'm seeing with scaling companies from early sales to 50 million B2B sales. So I'm going to share with you what I see are the top four uh, restrictions, what's holding back growth, both personally as a leader, we have two insights there. And then more tactically on the sales and marketing side. So I'm going to give you a little bit of maybe mindset or leadership, soft skill insight, and then two tactical problems I see. And then, of course, good webinar wouldn't have if I don't share some solutions and ideas to overcome those mistakes or problems. And so you'll see there after I talk a little bit about 2023 and what I see, I'm going to share with you a couple tools or processes on um on how to solve those problems, uh, including that uh, reverse engineering tool that I uh, talked about in the webinar planning or, or advertisement. Uh, I can't show you all the detail of the Excel spreadsheet, but I'm anxious to show you two examples and hope that it, you'll be able to do the same for your business. My pet peeve is I, I know everybody's got a sales budget and they even break it down by person or category and by month, and that's awesome. I want you to keep doing that. What I'm talking about doing, particularly for recessionary 2023, is reverse engineering it right back to where, how many leads do I need and where are they going to come from and knowing the math behind that. And that's the example I'm going to share with you today, or two examples, actually. And then I'm going to get uh, one of my passions is to talk to entrepreneurs about getting enough lead gen going. And uh, you'll hear me say this a couple of times, not just depending on their website and word of mouth and referrals. And all those are great. They're just not going to be enough to really scale and hit aggressive goals in 2023, I don't think. And then I want to deep dive a little bit on one of my favorite lead gen tools lately that I think most of you will be able to apply pretty quickly. And that is a 14-day webinar process, meaning it's, it's a webinar like this one, but it only takes 14 days and very little cost to execute for new leads. And I'm going to show you exactly how to do that. And you're participating. This is an example of one um, and what you've seen so far. And then I'm going to talk more on the mindset or skill set side of entrepreneurs or leaders growing. Talk a little bit about why it's so hard to delegate properly um, and to build trust and verify that. And I'm going to share a tool with you on that that I think is really critical, uh, particularly in the scaling up phase. Not so much in the uh, early sales when you're scrambling, but uh, maybe over a million dollars in sales. And then also talk about a relationship with risk and investment and what I see successful entrepreneurs doing versus non-successful. And there is a big shift 
uh, for some people. And um, so I hope to be able to share that and maybe help you on the mindset side of uh, scaling your business. And then, as I mentioned, at the end, I'll have a couple of free offers and a Q&A for people uh, that want to hang around and uh, talk about some of the things that I've shared. So real quick introductions, uh, probably of the 80 people that registered, I knew half of you on the from some form or fashion over the years. Um, but this is just a, a way to introduce. I'm, I'm Rick Highland. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, originally from Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. I have citizenship in both Canada and the U.S. I'm very proud to do bo have both. Um, I, I live in Draper, as a suburb of Salt Lake. I have six kids and 15 grandkids. Uh, for 32 years, I had a marvelous career in a company called RLG International. And there's a few people uh, with RLG on the line today. Thanks for joining. Um, I retired two and a half years ago as COO and second largest shareholder and um, thought I was just going to retire. Uh, I found out that I'm not that good at retirement. And so uh, I've been writing books and doing coaching to small businesses trying to scale. And so um, this is one of the books that I've written that's more pertinent to today's discussion. Uh, the Truth About Being a Rainmaker, Seven Principles for Sales Excellence. And, and one of my thoughts, there is seven principles on how to scale it. It really captures my RLG colleagues and I from a period of 2003 to 2013, scaled our business 100x. And so I went back and did a diagnostic and tried to figure out what were those principles that drove that 100x. And those are the book principles in the book that's available on Amazon and the principles that I'll tie in today or some of them anyhow, as time permits. Um, so that's a little bit about me. The last couple of years then, as I mentioned, I've been coaching kind of between zero and $50 million organizations and uh, helping them scale and grow. I haven't been dealing anything on the ops side, although for the first 30 years, that's a lot of what I did is uh, operations uh, performance improvement. So here's the four that I'd like to share with you today. By no means are this an exhaustive list. But in a webinar, you kind of have to pick three or four points to kind of hit on. And I wouldn't really know how to prioritize which one's a bigger problem or issue over the other. But I see this time and time again in both entrepreneurs, um, salespeople that I'm trying to help scale uh, and or just in discovery calls, um, learning about their business. And so the four really simply are, and again, I'll share some solutions to this, but the first two kind of go together and hand in hand. Um, I hope to not say this too many times, but I see a lot of entrepreneurs spend a lot of money on their product or service, spend a lot of money on a website, and then a lot of hope for sales strategy, meaning referrals, word of mouth, website, even social media for B2B sales, of which I'm going to tell you, and you'll hear me say over and over again, for scaling B2B today, that's not enough. There has to be a more intentional strategy, including two or three very effective lead gen sources. And I'm going to share with you my favorite ones. I'm going to ask you maybe over chat to share some of uh, yours if I miss some that work for you. But I'm going to share in the solutions end of that some of my favorite ones for B2B sales. And it's not going to be social media. And it's not going to be word of mouth, although that's a really good one. <laughs> um, and it's not even going to be podcasts, although that's good for other things. And I'll share that here in a minute. Uh, and the second two problems I see in, in, um, are more the mindset or skill set side of it. 
The first two or more, a tool set or strategy. Um, I, I see a lot of particulars. They're going from 2 million up, 10 million up, and then 40 and trying to scale from there. A lot of, lot of difficulty letting go. I can do this better. Than, I know the product better than they can. I can do this. I'm too cheap. Oh, that's not the right way to say that. I'm cost effective. I can. I mean, I have entrepreneurs cleaning floors because they're trying to save money rather than spending it on scaling their business. So, I mean, that might be an extreme example, but true. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then the final idea is just around the mindset of around risk and investment. Uh, I see a, a lot of... Um, incorrect. Boy, when you get this right, when you delegate right, and when you invest right uh, to grow your business, uh, that, that you know, makes the world a difference. Um, one of my uh, favorite books on scaling up is a book. Uh, if you don't have this one, I highly, highly encourage it by Vern Harnish. In, fa in fact, he'll be one of the uh, keynote speakers at this scaling up conference that I uh, uh, we'll talk about at the end in April. And um, one of his big paradigms is this idea of, of entrepreneurs be, w being willing to delegate in order to scale. And he's also big on building process and tools to help people scale. You know, there's a lot in literature today that says, Joel, just explain the why and find their motivation. And that's great. I'm a purpose guy. I got a book on purpose if we want to talk about that. But what we're talking about here in scaling is this idea that not only uh, delegating so that your people can grow and your business can grow, but investing uh, properly and building good process. He's big, Vern is big on build process to scale. The only reason you're not scaling is it's all on you and you're not building process. And so I'm going to suggest a tool or two that might help you build some process into your sales um, in order to be effective in scaling. So those are the four um, problems I see. Let me take a breath there. Any, any comments or feedback in the chat? Uh, thank you for your feedback on where you found us. Uh, some are clients, some are <laughs> direct emails, some from LinkedIn. Thank you for being here. Any insights, any other problems, mistakes? Uh, maybe flip it around. What is some things that you've done well that others aren't in scaling? Share with me any insight in the chat that you might have on that. What any of these um, mistakes ring true and or what else is missing or what other mistakes or opportunities do you see? Prioritization. Yeah, Ken, thank you for that. Uh, that's going to be part of that delegation conver conversation I want to have near the end of this webinar is um, there's too much to do as a scaling entrepreneur and how do you really prioritize and focus on the most important? Some of us get a lot of buzz out of being busy. And in 2023, that's not good enough. We have to be busy on the right things. And I, you'll hear me talk a lot about working smart rather than just hard and just hustle. Uh, and most of these tools and explanations I'm going to share with you is the whole idea of how to work smart and uh, build process in behind so that you can scale faster. Yeah, uh, without a clear strategy. Thank you, Jonathan. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, finding that ideal client and that niche that really works is all part of that customer acquisition strategy. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, Pascal, isn't that, we found that at RLG too, this idea of um, you get a big prize, you get a big deal in, and everyone now faces fulfillment. And that's one of the nice things about maybe Pascal and an organization like Doer at the size that you guys are at, where that's not the case. But for small businesses, often you have to do the sales and the fulfillment, and, and that gets very tricky. And so many uh, small consulting, coaching organizations get in that trap of, okay, I got a big lead. Now I spend all my time and energy, which is great because you need a satisfied client. You need someone with buzz that'll give you referrals and that'll you know, give you a testimonial and that you need that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But not at the um, expense of consistent lead gen. Otherwise, you'll find your your sales numbers look like that when they don't need to be. So that'll be one of the big things we hit here today. Thank you for that uh, insight. Um, yeah, it is not linear, is it? Um, and there are steps and processes. And, and what I'll try to teach you is a bit of a way to smooth that out and get consistency in your lead gen rather than these stop starts um, by building processes in behind and some of the lead gen tools that I'll show you. All right, let me move on. Thanks for that input. Very excellent. So maybe just a comment before I jump into some of the solutions to those problems and share some ideas and tools with you. Um, and this might be evident and obvious, and I was going to share the recession statistics, and but that would just bum everybody out again. Um, but 2023 is going to be hard for sales. Uh, I saw a statistic today that, and again, it depends which article you're reading, but uh, 60% of salespeople hit their sales targets. And I don't know if 100 is the target, but I'm going to argue that in 2023, if you just do the same, same, which none of you are doing, that's why you're on this podcast, you're, and I imagine you're signing up for others as well, you're trying to learn, get insight and tools and knowledge to make 2023 successful. But if you just expect the same, same, um, it's going to be 40% of people hitting their sales targets. I think that's how tough the year will be from a recessionary inflation standpoint. Um, if your strategy is wait for the economy, it isn't, is it? That's why you're on this webinar. <laughs> uh, we want to be the few that are going to do well in this economy. There's going to be somebody be great. The averages won't be as good but there'll still be outliers that are at the top. And it'll be those people that are very intentional, very curious, and always learning. Someone asked me once, and I think I note, noted this in part of the book, but what's the top skill set of a rainmaker? Those people that are consistently bringing in deals. And boy, you could, you could say relationship building. There's a whole bunch. Knowing your product. You could, if we brainstormed and had time to do that, we could come up with a great list, couldn't we? My number one is the ability to be curious and learn. And that's why you're on this pod, this masterclass today is that you have that attribute and particular, and I hope that doesn't close down. Some, some of our times are at the beginning of the year, resolution time, new year time, our window opens up. And maybe that's why we had 80 sign up today because it's at the beginning of the year and everybody's keen wanting to learn. But I hope that that will be maybe one takeaway from today is how can I, you know, uh, be a learner, curious, and continually to improve my sales toolkit, skill set, and mindset. Think about those three things about being great 
in sales and scaling. How can I improve my toolkit? I'm going to show you some examples of that today. My skill set and talk about that. And that's in the heavy into the sales coaching process. And then mindset. How important is that to have the right mindset, right? If you go in this year thinking, well, it's going to be a bad economy, political, you know, instability, uh, it's going to be tough. Well, that's true. So I just need a better plan. And I need to keep learning on how to work through those issues. Somebody's going to, why not you? Um, so I didn't want to spend too much time there. Uh, some forecasts look very bleak, and that would be a great excuse. But um, we're not excuse makers, and we're going to make an intentional, proactive plan to overcome all that. So let me introduce kind of the first idea. And this is the main one that I'll plug today. Um, I'd love for you all to have this idea of reverse engineering your sales goals. You might have done this, you know, if you're doing a massive hiking adventure, right? You have to back plan or you've run a marathon. You have to reverse engineer your training plan to say, what do I have to do today? And that's the type of granularity that I hope your sales lead gen plan can lead you to. And maybe you don't know your percentages that I'll share with you here in a minute, but that's, I mean, learn them fast, right? Uh, on webinars, how uh, for your industry and for your organization, what's your conversion ratio? Okay, how many webinars do I have to have in order to get the number of deals I need, for example? So that's the type of thinking that I hope in, inspires you today as we think about um, really making an intentional plan on where my sales are going to come from. I hope that that word, tough economy, sales are down, we're working hard, that, in, in your business reviews, in your sales reviews, that is not an acceptable answer. Um, this level of detail. Let me show you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about here. Okay, example number one of what I'm talking about. And again, in, in PowerPoint or on a webinar like this, it's, I'm not going to actually show you the spreadsheets that this is done on, but I'll give you a flavor for it. And I think everything that you'll need to do to do this by yourself. And if you need help, I'm going to give you an uh, option at the end uh, uh, for my help as well. But example number one, this actually is a cybersecurity company. Uh, they had a um, revenue to our baseline revenue of a million dollars. They wanted to go to three and then scale to five. And we're wanting to build a plan on how to do that. And so the next question, how are we gonna do that? How are we gonna find that incremental 2 million? When we did the analysis, a couple of assumptions we had. First of all, we knew their baseline was one. They wanted to get to three. We knew that there, and I hope you all can answer this and know this, what's your signature offer and price point that offers the maximum amount of value for your clients? And that I hope if you're a scaling entrepreneur, that's minimally three to five, but I know many of you, and in this example, it's much bigger than this, but um, what's your signature offer and price point with the max? Not everyone's going to buy your signature offer. But what is that? And then you can downsell off of that. But I hope you, particular early sales entrepreneurs, are super clear on that. Uh, for this example, uh, their signature offer and price point was 160,000 annually. They actually build that monthly, but that's the annual number. The other interesting and important number to know when you're reverse engineering, and most of our lead times, at least uh, in RLG, that was about our lead time, six to 12 months in selling $2 million packages. Um, you know, for my business today, selling uh, a lot less than that, it's it's uh, same day or week or a couple of weeks to make decisions. So 
And yours will be everything in between, but I thought I'd pull a complex example out first uh, that it takes six to 12. So then the question is, what do I need to do to get that $2 million given these uh, assumptions and variables? When we did the analysis, we found out in the first four months, and because of the large closing, they need 13 deals and 70 leads. And I'll show you an example where I actually detail the math behind that. But that created the urgency that I was hoping for in the CEO and the sales team to get a plan. Uh, this particular company is going to do it mostly by webinars, uh, but also LinkedIn Navigator automation. And I'll talk about both of those methods here in a second. And uh, it created a tremendous amount of urgency to stand up those webinars um, really quickly. And that was the, what I was hoping for to realize, you know, if they're going to do this, this is what needs to happen in the first four months in order to get that. Um, it was a quite a revelatory experience. Um, this is more details and the action plan behind that. The target, uh, we found $2 million in increase by doing 13 deals and 70 leads. We knew the math behind that, and I'll show you that in a different example. We needed to, the first step in my process is to do a um, strategic growth document. We need to start that ASAP. That's kind of a business planning market acquisition strategy. And then we were going to turn on these three lead gen. They were B2B, as I shared. We're going to do LinkedIn Navigator automation. I don't detail that today. I can on a different webinar or in a private call, but that has been for my business and many of the iCoach a real, um, a little bit expensive, but massively good ROI. Uh, and what I'm talking about here is how many of you found out about this, and that is DMing in LinkedIn. Why LinkedIn? That's the best vehicle for B2B. I wouldn't make, waste money if you're B2B on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, sorry to be so harsh about that, particularly on the B2B side. Um, but the DMing LinkedIn Navigator automation is a fantastic way. If you're not doing that, ask me more on how. I maybe should have talked about that one today in more detail. Um, they're going to run webinars, 12 webinars, in order to do get the 70 deals and 13. The bulk of them was at the beginning of the year. They were going to start doing two, two a month. Um, and they also had a track on partnership leads and deals. And I'll share some examples about how to do that here in a second. Typically, what that looks like, I'm going to share you an example of a client I'm coaching that, well, I'll share it here, that um, this was his first lead gen that he wanted to turn on. And he had had some past good experience with, as a financial planner, or what I call a tax saver and wealth builder, with partnering with accountants. They have the clientele. They have small businesses in their stable. And they don't do tax with them. And most small businesses don't have their taxes figured out and or if they're selling their business, their wealth strategies. And so my friend and client partnered with, has partnered with a number of different accountants and actually didn't have to pay a, a finder's fee. Uh, by the way, the typical finder's fee that I'm finding in most alliances is between 5 and 20%, depending on your price point, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in this case, Ryan just partnered, built relationships, and there was value for the accountant to give good advice and a good partner for tax savings. Um, and he doubled his business in a few short months, just with not even going direct to the client, going direct to other account to accountants to partner. So 
this partnership lead idea. I'm not going to talk too much more about that one, but that one can really work as well. And uh, based on their investment in these tools and myself, that was going to look to be a 68 to one return in 12 month period. So they know exactly what they need to turn on for lead gen and most of that. And we had it by month. Uh, obviously, I don't want to show you that, that that spreadsheet would be too hard to read. So I'm giving you the executive summary, but they had exactly by month, which one of these, where the leads are going to come from, these three areas, and when they need to turn them on in order to get the deals done. So pretty exciting stuff. Uh, hope that you can see the power in it. Hope that you can try to translate it into your business. I know every business is different. Here's one more example. This might whet your appetite one more time. Had a client come, said the current sales was 200,000. Uh, their sales goal was 720 for this year. We did the reverse engineering analysis. And based on what they told us, we it's a stretch target. It's a super stretch, but we could see 3 million, that their product and service was that good. Um, and so we shared with them this vision of how to get this 3 million. And as she said, man, get a million and a half, I'll you know, be ecstatic. But this is kind of showing them what's possible and hopefully to create the urgency in the organization that it needs. So the actions to get that based on our analysis, January, complete this business planning, market acquisition planning, turn on three lead gen activities. Starting in March, lead in navigator automation, as I've mentioned before, webinars and warm up an email list. Um, that's a concept that I'll talk a little bit more about when I get to lead gen specifically. And I'd love to hear your ideas in the chat as well on what some of the ideas you do to warm up cold leads. Because I don't think anybody on this call would say, oh, I love cold lead marketing. But if we can warm them, um, we can uh, turn them into uh, deals. Uh, this particular case would be a massive ROI. Their sales closing was one to two months and their average signature offer was 120,000. So, you know what? We probably won't hit that but it created a whole bunch of clarity about exactly what we need to do to hit that target and beyond. Can you see the power in this in going to that level of granularity on where the leads are coming rather than saying, hey, I'm gonna you know, ask my clients for referrals, which is great, that's fine, do that. That's probably the best closing ratio, to be honest, but I think most of us are finding that's not enough. So that's why I'm talking about these other ones. Um, any feedback or questions in the chat? Let me take a small breather here about this concept of reverse engineering sales. Very clear and logical. Bobby, only my best friend from MBA school would give me that. Thanks, buddy. Any other comments or uh, thoughts? Let me show you one more slide while you're loading up that. Uh, keep some insights coming. And I want to show you even more level of detail. Hopefully this this kind of breaks my rule about a good slide, but I wanted to show you the power in knowing your math, knowing your numbers of where they come from. And if you don't, you'll learn them pretty quick once you turn on some of these. So in average, and I know it's, you know, your business is different, my business is different, but when we do this LinkedIn navigator automation, reaching out in, in DM in an automated way for meetings, discovery meetings, first calls, um, we typically get with two accounts, and again, this is 10 to 20 leads a month. That's been my experience in both my business and in helping others. And I put the lower end here just to be conservative. 
I don't know why I'm usually not conservative. Um, but you can see that I'll just go through the math real quick with you. We know that in general, 75% of the people that signed up for the call are going to show. Now, do we work on techniques to improve that? Absolutely. Our warm-up techniques, our video techniques, our reminder techniques to improve that number. But in general, that's an average. We know that out of that, you close 25%. Okay. Now, uh, I got people doing 30 and 33 and 35, which is awesome. Also got complex salespeople doing 15 right now, and we're going to get them to 25. Um, but the point is, you can see that from LinkedIn automation, what did we say on this one? We're going to, it's going to turn on and providing deals by March. So by March, 1.87 deals <laughs> per month coming in from 10 leads a month, right? Can you see the math, how that works? Then on webinars, and these are just averages, but it's something to start with. Uh, I was just shooting for 20 people to sign up for this webinar between 20 and 30. We got 80. Um, in general, and again, this is just general averages. Please um, don't think yourself bad or good if you get better than this. I'm just keep sharing with you averages so that you can do the math yourself. If you get 20 webinars, and it's not always linear to 80, but let me just, if you can get 20 in, you'll typically get 25% of those signing up for a call. And then you'll close 25. And again, you can improve those numbers, absolutely. But in general, from every webinar, you'll expect 1.25 deals, right? Uh, I can just see you saying, well, I'd hate to be the 0.25 guy. But yeah, um, you're going to get, that's just the, the math behind it. Uh, Warm-up email lists, typically not as uh, productive. But again, we're trying to drive consistency. We're trying to have, I have entrepreneurs just sticking to two. That's fine. But if you've got capacity and staff, let's also do some warm-up of an email list that can also be not quite as productive, but can be productive. Um, the numbers are typically, uh, oh, I see, I've got warm-up lists, but partnerships, that should be, say, email, total deals from email. Uh, I didn't do partnerships on this one. So you can see on here, we're getting a modest two leads, same, kind of similar percentages, a half a deal a month, so a deal every other month. So. When you wash that all up, we need 25 deals, 139 leads, uh, and then that'll equal our 3 million. And that is a super stretch, but imagine if we rallied around that plan and put in place in January, February, March, instead of stumbling into the gate and getting our first one in Feb or slowly working on our business plan and not getting to lead gen till March or turning on anything new. So. Um, if nothing else, it helps with clarity in the organization, urgency, and accountability. Now we know exactly what needs to happen, right? I have a client, he's actually on today, uh, that when he saw the research from this, they did four webinars last. Uh, I don't think I'm kid, hopefully not talking about anything too confidential here, but they've done really well with webinars on conversions. The numbers are even better than mine here. And now they're doing 30 and they've got a plan to do 30 this year to in order to hit their stretch target. So pretty exciting stuff. Let me uh, check out the chat and see if I can see any comments. Um, uh, yeah, thanks, Ken. Thoughts about a free webinar versus, yeah. Good good question here, Miguel. Let me, uh, um, let me uh, talk about that. Um, 
that is a good thought. You can charge $19.99 for a webinar. You can charge uh, a modest amount. Uh, um, what that does, the positive of it, Miguel, I didn't in this case because I hadn't done a, a webinar in a while and I wanted to uh, test out this latest method for my clients. Um, I did some earlier in the year, but not lately. And um, I wouldn't charge personally, but it's not a bad thought. Let's say particularly you're going after a um, larger company um, with a larger budget, that might not be a bad idea. And what it, the positive is of it, Miguel, and it's just modest, right? You're charging 29 bucks. It's not a big deal. They've probably got a corporate account, credit card to use that on. Um, but what it does, it weeds out the uh, people that are not really interested or not really ready to take action. Uh, and so it just kind of puts a little marker in the ground and you have to advertise it right, saying this is, you know, a $400 value, you're getting it for 29, you'll get lots of that, you know, so you promote it right. But depending on who your target audience is and their checkbook and or their size of business, that's a really good idea to kind of uh, qualify them. Because really, Miguel, you, you it's not volume that counts in this case. There is some math that says volume is good, but really you want... I mean, on these webinars, I'd rather have 30 serious people than 80, you know, that are just tire kicking, so to speak. Um, no offense to anybody. I hope no one took offense to that. Love that you're all on today or when you listen to the recording. Um, so that's my thoughts on that, Miguel. Yeah, yeah, Dylan, that's exactly what I'm talking about here is I have a VA. So the question, if you're not reading that, if you're on, um, driving or something. Dylan uh, from beautiful Carston, Alberta says, we hired a sales support lead from Philippines, pay him five bucks an hour, generates 10 to 15 leads a week from LinkedIn, beats automated messages. We can provide more personalized. So I have a test AB trial going right now for the last several months where I have automation working on two of my LinkedIn accounts. And I have a VA and I pay six bucks an hour in the Philippines. That's really good. And um, Right now, my automated is a little more expensive, but providing more leads. But I'm very happy with um, the VA. And, and, and I just got a client started on that same method today. It's a little cheaper. Um, and I know, Dylan, you're an AI, so that's a sexy topic. So I think that's part of why you're getting that success there. But that is a really good. I, I tell you, LinkedIn, B2B sales, LinkedIn DMing. Uh, and you will get people that are upset at you and, oh, wow, you're just, you know, you got sales porn and that's okay. <laughs> they probably weren't interested anyhow. All you're looking for is the chosen few that really need your services that you've specifically targeted to a, a chosen niche. You don't need everybody to love you. Um, I get some entrepreneurs upset. Oh, well, I got some people upset at me at LinkedIn. That's okay. Apologize. And look at the two leads, two meetings you did book today. <laughs> so uh, yeah, thanks for adding that, Dylan. There's lots of ways to do this LinkedIn DMing uh, technique. Um, yeah, good point, Doug. Um, yeah, I, I've just found that you know, I, it, to share knowledge and to do it free um, really works. And then you're hoping that the super interested or the people that need help will sign up for a call. Yeah, thanks everybody for those insights. Okay, let me move on. So I want to talk a little bit about, 
And again, these are talking about those first two problems that I pinpointed. And I've kind of hit on this idea, so I won't spend a ton of time here. But, um, you know, I, I, I wish I even knew this back in my RLG career. I wasn't clear on all the different options there were for good B2B sales, some more effective than others. But my learnings over the last couple of years have been this. These are great, effective lead gen tools to have going all the time. And there's a right way to do it, right? You can get zero off an email list, or if you warm it properly, um, you can get two or three a week. You can get zero on this if you do it wrong. Uh, or as Dylan said, you could get 10 to 20, 10 to 15. Um, and same thing. There's a right and a wrong way to do this. I'm going to deep dive on webinars today. Maybe next time I'll do the LinkedIn one. Um, conferences, targeted conferences is the right way to do it. You can go to conferences and get nothing. Uh, I'll just give you one of my tips on this um, that I've told my clients. Conferences in your niche are fantastic, but not for attending. If you want to attend and just meet a couple of people and learn the latest in your industry, great. Don't expect a lot of lead conversion. If you want lead conversion, and this is a graduating uh, format, speak at it. So that's uh, that's what I level one is attend, participate, try to bump into people, have some good discussions. Level two uh, is to have a booth. And again, I still wouldn't do conferences if it's just those two personally, but I know some of you have had good success with those two, just doing those two. Three, if you really want to turn on conversion, not just awareness, is speak at it. And number four, get the email list and set up appointments beforehand. You might have to pay for that. Uh, you might have to do some LinkedIn search. You might have to, you know, um, most conferences today are doing that today. Some are still not. But if you want a conference to be a lead converter to deals, don't just go and expect to show up and for it to happen. I'm sure you guys have had this experience as well. It does not work. And speaking even is pretty good for lead gen. I mean, if you're tight at the end and you lead a Calendly and you leave a link and there's a whole bunch of techniques for people to follow up with you. But again, the one-on-one -on -one direct conversations is the best, not the broadcast for B2B sales. Um, anyhow, I didn't mean to go that deep on conferences, but there's the right way to do all of these uh, to, con to conversion. Now, just a comment here. And let me caveat with, I love social media. I love podcasts. <laughs> My Continuous Improvement for Life podcast is the top two and a half percent in the world podcast uh, as uh, adjudicated by Listen Notes. Uh, I have over 30,000 in all four platforms on social media. Okay, so having said that, it is not a short-term conversion tool. If you're counting on that for sales in early 2023 and you're B2B and a complex sale, I wouldn't. I would not put that in your plan. It's a great awareness tool. It's a great um, to share your expertise. It's to be seen as an expert. It kind of goes along with writing a book that doesn't necessarily, you know, bring conversions. It establishes your, your name, your voice, your expertise, your awareness, and that's awesome. And once in a while, I still get um, inquiries from people that saw a post uh, and say, hey, Rick, yeah, I saw your post. You know, it's about time we talk. So I, I'm not trying to 
I just wouldn't uh, count it as one of your short-term lead generate. It's great for awareness. I would still have it. I would have a website. Um, I would have social, but please, please, please don't rely on that for your short-term conversion to deals, particularly if you're in the kind of 5,000 and up price point. Um, did I offend anybody there? Anybody have a different experience on B2B sales? Anybody want to uh, give me a comment or the group some insight there? Um, oh, a couple of good insights here. Curious about lead gen scorecard marketing. Oh, Carrie, tell me more about that. I'm not sure I know where you're going there. Um, yes, Brian, absolutely. Um, if you can get that email list and host a lunch or a breakfast, or even keep it low key. Meet me in the coffee bar for six people. I personally prefer uh, at conferences, 20 minute, 30 minute one-on-one -on -one slots and opening up my calendar in the morning and midday and afternoon and say at the coffee bar, it doesn't have to be anything fancy or it could be at your booth if you have a booth. Um, but boy, uh, I, I uh, but I do like the offsite idea uh, there as well. But I'm a real big fan on one-on-one -on -one for conversion. Uh, sponsoring podcast, Kent. Man, you have crushed this. What what Kent uh, has done with uh, We Are the Institute, uh, and I'll let him, uh, if he's still on during Q&A, talk more about this and answer your questions. But he's combined two um, platforms. He's got uh, partners who are not competitors with him, but suppliers in his aftermarket auto uh, niche um, and they sponsor it because you know they want to be seen as experts and bringing leading knowledge and let's say it's a supplier and Kent and his group come in and they actually deliver the value or the insights um, and then they you know they can, you can sign up for a free diagnostic assessment at the end if you want to hear more from Kent and his group and he's converting at a, a much higher level because you've got two credible organizations coming together. They're bringing together their email list or their social media following and yours. And it's quite powerful. And of course, it looks good for the sponsor and they get a message in there about their parts or whatever they're selling. So um, yeah, Kent, at the end, if you're still on, I'm sure people will have questions for you on that one. But that you can imagine that accelerates your closing ratios and, and people that are interested. Um, okay, Bill, thanks for that comment. Sponsoring podcast works with thought leaders. Yeah. So the podcast one, thanks. Thanks, Bill. There are some, and I know even Kent's looking at this, that if they're right in your niche, like, you know, it doesn't even have to be a massive podcast, but their podcast deals exactly with your problem that you solve. That's when I would count on podcasting. But if it's a general one, like mine, you know, I'm trying to my continuous improvement for life. I'm trying to steer it the last few months for completely uh, on entrepreneurs who have scaled and their lessons learned. Um, but if you've got a really niche podcast that's for tax accountants and you service tax accountants, go. It's actually a cheap way uh, to get to convert and to get some deals. But that would be the only situation that I would recommend that for B2B sales. And again, then you put it in your sales process, first call, second call, proposal, et cetera, et cetera, or whatever your process might be. But yeah, thanks. Um, uh, Carrie, do you want to go on a mute for a second and just talk about your question? Thanks. 
Where was it here? Yeah, here I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, Gary. Yeah, I have a bad head cold. So guys, just just to excuse that. Essentially what, what a scorecard marketing is, is that you make up a questionnaire. It can be, let's say, 10 questions, maybe 20. And you ask closed-end questions about, you know, fill in the blank, anything could be health and fitness or what have you. Based on what the answer is, and it can be a yes or no, or it could be a word, uh, what will happen is that you're going to assign a value to that. It could be like a one, a two, or a zero or something like that. So at the end, what you do is you provide the person that has uh, done the scorecard to say, well, hey, you know, you fall into this particular category based on your answers. And what you may want to do is offer them, uh, you know, some type of um, uh, free evaluation, on and on and on, you know, to, to continue business. But the good thing about it is that you give your value statement and you give a link and the link will go to a landing page. From the landing page, they'll answer 10 questions based on what they answer. You'll be able to say, this is a really good lead or this is forget about it. Let's say move on. It's just a different way of doing it. And yeah, of course, if you're doing on a very, uh, you know, very large scale, at that point, you know, that's maybe some machine learning can come into it or something like that. But that's what, uh, what, what my company is doing as far as, as kind of, you know, like you used to say, warm up a, a, uh, uh, an email list. That's exactly how we're trying to get that, get that thing to boil. And uh, so far, so good. We're, we're, we're partnering with a company called uh, Utternick. And, you know, if, if, you know, you want me to give more information, I guess I can pass it on through you, Rick. But uh, I'd certainly be happy to. But, you know, guys, it's a real good way to say this is a good lead versus forget about it and uh, just move on and also cleanse your, your mailing list as well. Yeah, re really good points, Kerry. And, um... I'll give you a short comment now, and then in the Q&A, for people that can stay, let's do a little bit of a deep dive on that. But first of all, I love scorecarding. That's why I wanted you to talk about it. Scorecarding yeah. is, is, is akin to building process behind everything, right? Whether it be lead gen, order fulfillment, et cetera. Um, but yes, so in this LinkedIn um, DM uh, strategy, whether it's automated or your, your uh, virtual assistant's doing it, Two techniques that really have worked. And we, uh, I think my learning is for a bigger complex cell, the survey or longer cycle, sales cycle, the survey, I, I'll call it a survey, really works where you can uh, promise them the results of the survey, where you can uh, both uh, ask them for some insights and as you qualifying them a bit. And then you can always ask at the bottom, hey, if you're looking for more help on any of this, I'll promise to send you this. That's my value commitment. If you're looking for any help on how to do this or more details, uh, I'll be happy to set up a discovery call. So, uh, but then you have a whole bunch of insights as well about your uh, chosen niche that you're going after. So um, the two strategies we use off that LinkedIn DMing is one, the survey, and that's a way to warm up and get, for example, in um, uh, working with uh, SimTech, I don't know if they're on today or not, um, large institutional sales for medical institutions, they're doing virtual reality skill building. So 
think simulation, but now it's with v VR uh, and the uh, goggles, the Oculent gloves. Um, and what they found very successful is doing the survey first to these medical institutions, right? Because they don't know these, you know, VR is brand new to this industry and what are their current practices for training and developing skills with doctors? Because, you know, bedroom or, or patient care is uh, time is limited. Um, so they're using the survey technique to, to really get a, generate a lot of interest and some leads and some discovery meetings as well. Yeah, really good insight. Thanks for adding that. Okay, very good. Let's continue on. And uh, as I said, with, uh, people have questions for Carrier Eye at the end on that particular item. Uh, happy to go a little deeper into that one. Um, I'm glad I didn't get any uh, people too offended on, on this one. Um, Bill, thanks for your comment. A very targeted directly to my niche. If you know my, my dentists are on that one, go for it. <laughs> Sponsor it, go for it. That could really lead. Um, make sure you've got some good conversion tools at the end to bring it to a meeting. So um, I'm most excited about this one lately. I, I could have maybe uh, jumped into the LinkedIn one, but I thought I'd deep dive on one of these tools. I thought it'd be most applicable to most of you. And um, on this one, to get 60 registrants, it cost me 60 bucks. So it's one of the cheapest methods to speak to your ideal clients or a potential gathering of your ideal clients, right? And again, the principles I'm trying to drive in have two or three, not just word of mouth, not just referrals, have two or three well-functioning lead gens. And maybe you'd consider lead gen. And the nice part about it, it really takes 14 days to execute one. That's all. And a hundred bucks maybe in promotion if you don't have a big email list. Or uh, if, you're, if you're just brand new to LinkedIn, because um, you know we, we go both to the connections and to the DMing side of it. But let me just walk you through this template here. Pretty simple, you'll get it real quick. Promote it on your social email lists and DMing. I'll bet you when I look at your chat notes, I'll bet you 80% of you found out by DMing on LinkedIn versus social and, e and uh, pure email from Rick. Uh, I may be wrong, but I, I'll look at that data. But that's so far what I know. Um, and all you really need is 20 to 30 um, people signing up. And you can in Calendly, by the way, when they sign up, you can ask them some qualifying questions, as Kerry was just talking about. If we have time in the q and I'll show you mine. Or perhaps you've, some of you have already answered those to, uh, to get to uh, be a client. Um, and then... In the second week on Monday and Tuesday, you're just sending them thank you notes, reminders, maybe a short video from uh, the founder or the presenter. It's just a nice way to add value, to remind them, here, we're holding the link. Try not to do too much of it. I might have done one from uh, Eventbrite and one from me. So I apologize if uh, you got two. I have put two in here. I usually just put one reminder. I think that's enough. Sometimes you just get killed on too many reminders, right? Does that annoy anybody else? So you won't want to overdo it on that one. But I like adding value on any email I ever send to a client. I love just not saying, hey, when do you want to talk? Or we're meeting on Thursday at four. I love trying to add value with a short video, a, a comment, a insight, a article, whatever it might be. Always adding value, right? That's how you, have, that's how you build trust. 
And then you're holding the 60 to 90 minute webinar on the middle of the week. Find your time that works. I'll probably experiment with early in the morning next time uh, when I hold one of these, see if you know you can get some of the European or Australian, Asian people on. Um, and then Thursday and Friday of that week, you're sending them an email blast afterwards, thanking them, sending them the replay. Only send the replay to the registrants. Honor them for uh, having the courage or moxie or clarity or curiosity to sign up. And then I might send another email a couple of days later saying, hey, thanks again. The response has been amazing. Here's an interesting fact or insight or value add that I found out. Oh, by the way, here's my link again if you want to, if you've been too busy to sign up, if you need any more help. Um, and that's it. Uh, one of the, some of the things that you need, I followed this template pretty closely, except I didn't, other than maybe share a couple of anecdotal stories about success stories. But I followed this very template to what you're experiencing right now. Um, you'll see this. I won't spend a lot of time on this right now, but you'll see this in the notes as you get this. And all you need is LinkedIn Navigator, free prescription to Eventbrite. There's other tools out there. If you know one, great. It's just a way to get the signups automated. Uh, an email list to send them to. And if they're small, you might have to promote them a little bit. Um, it's nice if you have an automator. Uh, I didn't. I, uh, my VA sent you um, uh, reminders about the meeting. Uh, that's where you got that from. Is He just took your email, sent you the video and a reminder about the meeting. And then, of course, a Calendly or some one of the tools to put sign up so people can uh, sign up for a meeting if they're interested to hear more. Process tools, you just need that welcome video that you send in the reminder, maybe a success story video, a little bit of one pager to tell them about what you're about that you're about to see here in a second, and then tons of value in your presentation. And that, again, could get you 20 registrants. Don't stress if that's all you get. That is perfect. Five, 1.25 deals. And you'll get better and learn from each one. I'm sure Kent and others that have done this webinar idea, you, you, you figure out, you keep learning, you keep asking your customers, uh, send me an email with feedback. How can I make this better? Like I did at the beginning of this podcast for you. Um, and then your internal team constantly be talking about it. how can we do better on these three numbers, number of registrants, number of calls, number of uh, deals. So it's really exciting to try these type of tools. I would think any consultancy coaching company uh, this would be gold. I, I Hopefully you've already, as we've been speaking, put this in your plan, but I can see it uh, applicable to any type of uh, business to be truthful. It's a way to try to target your specific clients. Because in DMing on LinkedIn, I, I didn't go to just anybody, right? I went to my connections and to people in the size and type of organization that I thought might need this. So everything's targeted. All right, I want to talk. I know this is busy. And uh, for some of my RLG friends or other clients, you know, I love one pagers. But I want to talk a bit about delegation as entrepreneurs. We have a lot of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, even, or under 10 people organizations on. We have a lot bigger as well. But this tool applies to any size organization. And what I want to introduce to you is the idea we know the problem. I can do this better. As an entrepreneur growing a business, whether I'm a 10 person or a 20, um, if I get bigger than that, I'm no longer saying that, right? 
But the limiting belief or what holds a lot of organizations from growing is the owner, the founder, and their lack of ability to trust, to know how to delegate properly, and to not be um, as frugal as they did during the scrappy startup part, to open up the investment. Now, you don't need it for this one pager, but that's coming up in my next insight that I'd like to share with you. So that's great to say that. We can all nod our heads and say, yeah, that's a problem with some entrepreneurs. Um, I've done a couple of podcasts lately with entrepreneurs, including Kent and his dad, that got over that and figured out that you do need to delegate early, even before when it's a little scary to pick up that salary to invest, particularly in your sales and marketing, but also your fulfillment and production side. Uh, I'm getting into the investment about risk and that decision. So let me just get back to delegation for a second. So what I love to share with people is a simple performance management tool I learned as a 27-year-old working performance improvement in companies, and it is very powerful for sales. I'm going to call it a sales KPI one pager. And I'm going to introduce, some of you will know these terms, but just in case you don't, I'll introduce the idea of leading and lagging indicators really briefly. The lagging, of course, is the deals or the sales that I want. That's the ultimate outcome. But for salespeople, there is a process. This might be the very similar process if you're a coaching or consulting company. If you're not, you might have a slightly different one. But I find this one for B2B sales. These are the indicators. Now, here's a caveat. I love automation. Some of you have CRMs. Some of your CRMs are not tracking this. They're giving you garbage. Oh, how long it took to get the deal. Okay, that's not garbage. I'm exaggerating to make my point. But it's not the leading. The leading indicator is if I did this activity with higher frequency and quality, would it help me get my lagging indicator? So in this case, it's deals I want, right? What activities do I have to do to get more deals? Wait until the phone rings? Bug my existing customers? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Ask for referrals, have a strategy, have a lead gen around that. You don't need my help for that one. Um, but this uh, is a terrific tool to coach from. And you want the percentage. You want to know your sales team and you as a CEO or founder, you want to know your numbers. Uh, and the leading indicators that I would recommend you track are, uh, and again, if your process is slightly different, you modify it, but I'll just talk to this one. Uh, how many discovery? How many first calls did I have? Um, this isn't the purpose of this webinar, but I'll, I'll share a little bit of insights. Most people on this call want to talk. That's not what rainmakers do. They listen. Not the whole call. If you have 45 minutes for a discovery call, I would coach you, counsel you that at least half of that you should be asking questions and listening and very specific pinpointed questions, questions that are going to help you in your proposal and second meeting. They're going to be different for you than they are for me. But what are the questions that I need to know? Many of you do like me and like Kent and others on this call that you're setting up that first meeting to have a second meeting where you could give them a detailed proposal and maybe even an ROI estimator or a diagnostic assessment as some of you use that word. Um, that's what the, pur the purpose of this call is to ask good, smart, open-ended questions, listen and learn, but don't just leave it at that. Don't just, okay, I had the whole call and I listened and learned. 
You also need time to explain your process and get agreement that your process may be good. You want head nods, you want answers to questions. Uh, do you think what I've talked about you on my sales one pager might help close some of the sales gaps, gaps that you talked about? Yeah, it might. It good. Yeah, I know it really. Yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah, we're doing this. We're not right. So that all that data you're collecting in the discovery call. And we could have a webinar alone on that one and what a best practice script looks like on that. And uh, some of you that work with me, we we do that. That second setting up that second meeting and proposal. Sometimes they don't close here. So always like a follow-up here that two or three weeks later, a month, whatever it be, I've got it in my CRM to follow up, see where they're at, see if the timing's better. And then of course you're tracking deals, comments. So this is the top half. If I, if I showed you, it, it would be too small to look at, but imagine that this is a one pager. This is the top half of the one pager. And I'll show you the bottom half here. For, you, for people that love KPIs, you'll love this and you'll figure out a better way to do it. But basically, this is the data you run your sales organization off. You have targets, you have baselines and ratios. These are the three numbers that you should be coaching your organization off. First calls, deals, closing ratios. If you only held me to three that every salesperson should track, there's lots more, and I know you know them. Lots more interesting things, but only three. If you could only choose three number of first meetings you had that month versus target baseline, I'm not even counting, you know, the lead gen people are working on getting me the meeting. Now I'm the salesperson taking the meeting. How many meetings did I have? How many did I close? And what's my percentage? And if you want some dollars associated that with it, I'm sure you'll put that in there for confidentiality, I took those dollars out. But those are the most important numbers to look at that lead you, you know, it, it's great to say, okay, I want I want X number of sales, Mr. Sales team, and I want a 30% closing ratio. But these are the leading indicators that are going to help you. These are the numbers you coach to, right? If they're at 29, how do we get to 33? What techniques, what tools? Uh, if they're only getting six lead gen, how do I turn on more lead gen? right? So these numbers tell you how to manage your sales team and how to improve your forecast. But first of all, as we just talked about, you need to talk, turn on your lead gen. And then this is how you manage your sales team. And then of course, on the bottom of the one pager, there's highlights and there's action plans for next steps. So I would highly encourage you. This is a fan. The bigger your organization is, the more this is needed. Let me say that again. This is super interesting for a solo entrepreneur. This is how I would manage your startup. But for enterprise level or the bigger your sales organizations, I don't know how you do it unless you do this. I love CRMs. Make sure they're tracking the right metrics, these metrics, and make sure you use it. I know lots of SaaS companies that they've done a brilliant job. They've set up a separate organization for lead gen. Many of us in the coaching consulting have not done that. There's probably a lesson learned there, right? But these SaaS companies have set up a completely different department for lead gen. Then they've got sales. I love it. Distinct accountabilities, right? I know some of you have that same thing. You've got a marketing team. They're tracking the actual leads coming in. And then you've got a sales team tracking uh, their number of calls they take and their conversion. Um, but I would have that for every sales and marketing person in my organization. 
If you're the CEO, then roll it up into by team. And then, uh, but use it, use it, use it. Don't just have this on people's computer. That's only half the value. Have it for discussion and accountability. We call that sales performance reviews, where every week for 30 minutes or once a month for an hour and a bit, you're gathering with your team to review. They present to you how well they're versing versus these very important KPIs. Anyhow, hopefully you bigger organizations get some ideas on that too. If your performance management, particularly on the sales side, is not this robust, I would highly encourage you to develop one-pagers in some kind of weekly format to have them report to you. That's the key point. Not you telling them. You can tell them the macro story. Absolutely. But they tell you their story. See the power in that? It's coming from their voice, their accountability. Um, they have to work hard the whole month to make sure they show up with good results, good plans. And if they're not, you coach and have interventions to help them, et cetera, et cetera. But this gives you the clarity on how to manage your sales department rather than being frustrated that they're not hitting targets. This gives you the deep dive into what they're doing or not doing. Um, anyhow, hopefully that was helpful on the sales side. Uh, let me take a brief look at chat. Um, let me see if there's any comments on that, particularly sales tracking, sales KPIs, sales accountability and reporting. Um, yeah, uh, there's some really good, uh, most of the bit small businesses that I deal with in the startup to uh, 50 million are doing HubSpot as their CRM um, or a lead. I'll put this in the notes. A funnel maker is the one I actually use, but HubSpot is really good as well. Uh, fairly cheap and they do multiple things for an entrepreneur. They don't just do you know, email blasts. They'll do everything from uh, you can build your proposals in uh, some of them. You can, there's lots of functionality besides just this for an entrepreneur, right? We're always looking for tools and techniques to help us automate and scale this thing. And uh, these, the CRMs I'm talking about, Salesforce is great. It's big, it's expensive. Just make sure you've got the right KPIs in it. Um, but for smaller businesses, I would use HubSpot or Final Maker are the two that I've seen uh, the small guys use very well. Good, yeah, and there's lots of functionality to some of these tools uh, besides just email blasts or warm-up blasts. Yeah, good, thank you for your comment there, Bill. Good, yeah, our CRM sucks. Yeah, I, I love the idea of automation. I really, I honestly do. But if it's not tracking the right things and you're not using it, those are the two things. If it's just sitting on your sales rep's uh, computer and they can see the numbers and there's no public visibility to it, you're wasting your money on Salesforce, promise you. Or if you're not tracking the right leading indicators, wasting your money. And you're probably finding that out. I probably find two thirds of the companies I talk to are not happy on their CRMs because of that. So just make sure that your CRM will let you program in the right sales metrics. Anyhow, I think I hammered that point. <laughs> let me talk a little bit about risk. What time we got? Oh, 6.13. Awesome. Um, I'm just about to show you a couple of uh, uh, insights I have, um, but let me talk about risk and investment. And I've talked a little bit about this, but this is another mindset one that I see 
uh, as a real roadblock for some entrepreneurs trying to scale. Uh, they don't invest enough to scale. You really do have to spend smartly to scale. It, it, it's not just about hustle and grind, although that's a key important statistic. Absolutely. But working smart means you have to invest smartly. And yes, it's risky. And yes, you will fail. But hopefully you fail quickly and fail smart and not. And if you do, learn from it. And hopefully it's a cheap failure, not a very expensive, like a trial, for example, is a great way if it's going to fail, right? Uh, but I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs getting frozen. It's too much money, they, they, particularly on the sales side. They even see the website side. Yeah, I got to have a good website. Yeah, I have to have my product working. Yes, good. And then they chintz on the sales side. Yes, I have a salesperson. And then they chintz on the lead generation side of it. Where that, that and I know I'm biased. You don't get sales. This whole thing crumbles. <laughs> yes, you don't take care of your customers. Absolutely. But if you don't get sales, it, you know, you'll be doing layoffs uh, and wondering what. So smart investments, um, trial investments, but invest, experiment, try things on a trial base, fail quickly, fail cheaply, fail, but try it. Um, too many are just trying to do it on their own. Uh, and there's lots of knowledge out there as hopefully this webinar is represented of, uh, of um, the key attribute is learning, not being the cheapest son of a gun on the block. Uh, when I interview people that retire, uh, that have been in small business, they don't have any regrets other than I wish it would have gone bigger and faster. In fact, at RLG, when I interview people that retire in, in Fortune 500 companies, that was the same regret, that I didn't launch the safety program sooner, bigger, and faster. I was worried about feelings. I was worried about price. I was worried about all this. Um, so I, I would, your size of investment should match your ambition for your sales goal. You know, I often find people saying, I want to go to 6 million and have nothing in, in their sales budget, sales and marketing budget, or a small amount because they spent it all on their software. And I know you have to have the software working. I get it. But please invest in your sales and your lead gen in particular. Uh, and then the other problem I see is that the, the, the entrepreneur, or the CEO, or the founder is doing it all, uh, either because they're they're afraid to delegate, so go to sales one-pagers so that you can trust and veil, veil, verify, or an ops one-pager. The same principles apply to ops and accounting and everything else. Uh, but it's hard coaching. I spend a lot of time coaching CEOs on learning to delegate properly so that it can both be done right and allow you more time to be strategic and your people to grow and learn and make mistakes and be successful. And that trust and verify tool that I shared with you is a big part of that answer. And then on the other side of the coin, um, I also wish I had a megaphone on this one or a clarion call. You know, stop wasting money on things that won't work. If you're a B2B complex sales, why are you spending $50,000 on your Instagram marketing campaign? That should be the third quarter investment and don't spend $50,000. Uh, work on, make sure everything you invest in your marketing has an ROI. That's where we're going to. 
Facebook and Google started us down that direction. You no longer have to throw advertising money at the wall. You do advertising that has a trackable ROI. And that's one of the reasons I love those sales one pagers, right? I'm tracking exactly how many leads come from webinars, from lead gen, how they convert, what's my percentages. So I know I spent uh, some money on Facebook. I spent money on link. What's my ROI on that? What's my ROI on webinars? Uh, I tried some general ads. I got zero. Don't do that. You know, learn fast, learn fast. But I would highly encourage you to make investments, delegate quicker if you're wanting to scale. And as a general rule, you could always find exceptions to this rule. But if you're B2B, large, complex sales, don't invest in anything on the marketing side. Except if you're putting in a, you can track it ROI. Yes, is there still room for general awareness on a website and social? Yes. Hope, hope that you don't hear me. I do that. But if you're expecting trackable ROI from that, that's going to be very hard or very long bandwidth, right? Your marketing people are going to tell you 12 to 18 months to get the return on that. I'm trying to teach you the tools that will get you the return in February. So there's other people that will will teach you how to do that and get the return in 18 months or 12 months for B2B complex sales. Now, B2C, obviously, that's a different story, right? I hope you're differentiating with me on that one. And I know I'm coming on strong on that one. But so I often have people at the end of the webinar say, Rick, that was great. But what if I need some help? And I know all of you will not need help. Um, but if you do, this is my method. This is what I hope you sign up for. I hope a couple of you need help and want to sign up. Let me just go through my process real quick so you can get a flavor for how I work with my clients. First of all, um, one of the first things I have them talk about is their guarantees and their brand promises though. So here's our, here's our mine. We will achieve a five to one ROI in 120 days. And I'll type part of my fee to that. Uh, we will build you a sustainable sales system in your CRM or just in Google Sheets. We'll have everything you need to manage that once I'm gone. Um, and you cannot scale without coaching the senior person to scale. So one of my passions is to coach the CEO, the COO, the senior person on their behaviors so that they can, because often the bottleneck on turning a lot of the lead gen is the senior person. No, I can't handle that. Okay, well, how can we delegate some of that? Because I'm sure some of you might be thinking, well, that's a lot of work to turn on three lead gens. Yeah, it is. But if you have some staff or you delegate to contractors or because um, as solopreneurs, that's all we have, right? I remember in RLG, I had a big Vancouver office and I that was the first thing I missed. Please tell them, Aaron, and the RLGs that are on it. I cried for days uh, not having any staff. But as a solopreneur, there's on Guru and Upwork, uh, there are very way, very cost-effective, highly qualified people that you can train uh, to help you deliver on your lead gen. But it does take some momentum to get going. And a lot of solopreneurs limit themselves because they only have time to do one. Well, figure out a way with your time to turn on lead threat, turn on three and watch your business flourish. My process, I take them through that business planning document that I've talked about a couple of times. It's part business planning, part customer acquisition strategy. So we're really clear on the messaging 
that goes into both their sales pitches and their marketing messages for lead gen. Then we stand up at least two of the lead gen sources and it is tailored, it's different for every business. Then if they actually have a sales staff, we train them on these two things that we've just talked about, principles in here and my book. Uh, and we delivered, it's just a four hour training to get everybody on the same page, including how we're gonna track success. That's a big part. Not all salespeople are jumping up and down when I tell them we're going to do a sales KPI one pager to learn and get better. All they hear is accountability. And you as the leader got to make sure they see it as a learning tool, as well as some accountability. Uh, and then we build that business system, that sales reporting that I talked about. And then we coach to improve based on the ratios and the numbers we're seeing. If you don't have these numbers, I don't know how you're coaching. You're just throwing more money at it. Hiring another salesperson, hoping you get enough sales. So know your numbers. Hopefully that's one of the takeaways you have from today. And then, as I mentioned, whether that's in Google Sheets or in their CRM, we try to leave them with, uh, this is, this, here's the sales process that you're going to use from now on. If you get any new salespeople or any new people on board, they can get picked up where they left off. How we do that, we do three one-on-one -on -one calls with the organization or the people I'm working with. Uh, for an hour a week. And then once a month, we have a group call. I have a group split, groups of 25, 20 to 25. I try to do it kind of similar type businesses. It's not always possible, but we have a monthly group call where I'll do some training and then we'll do some discussion. For example, Kent shared on our last one, this uh, webinar with partners. Um, who's this for? For salespeople or entrepreneurs who sell B2B and are committed to substantially improve their sales while improving their leadership and sales skills. If you're not willing, this isn't a, I don't do everything for you, but you have to lean in with it. Particularly if you want a risk reward contract with me, I really um, need people that are absolutely committed to improving and working on their skills and tool set. Um, I've only had to fire one client. So far, nobody's fired me. Um, and that was because they just couldn't make the action items we came up with on our weekly calls work. Uh, so busy fighting fires, despite my best attempt coaching. And so we uh, mutually agreed that uh, we wouldn't do it. So um, I would, that's the type of people I want to work with. And I know there's many of those on the call today. Uh, one more thing I just wanted to share. This is coming out next week. Some of you have my uh, the ordinary planner to optimize your life. Uh, and thank you for that. Well, next week, we're coming up with a very specific sales accelerator planner that has most of these principles that I'm talking about with you today on Amazon. Um, it'll be out next week. You can see here's kind of the welcome letter. Here's um, some questions I want. This is a 90-day planner, by the way. I believe one of the reasons that we're not accomplishing our New Year's resolutions or our goals is we're, we're chunking it out too long. I encourage everybody that I work with to, to work on 90-day plans. In fact, there's some really good books. I forgot the title of it. I think it's 90 Day Plan, but um, on this, on the power of chunking it down. But you can see there, you're doing some uh, quick brainstorming in your planner about your customer acquisition strategy and answering those questions. You're doing some answering some key qu questions about planning. Then you jump into 90 Day Goals in the different areas. You notice that I don't just have business goals. Well, maybe you can't see that. Actually, I'll tell you what's on there. It's physical, spiritual, emotional. Uh, what else does it say in here? Um, 
And then we get to some business topics of lead gen and marketing, operations and fulfillment, other. So it's meant to be a whole life, but specifically for a sales salesperson or entrepreneur that's trying to scale. And then what are the actions I'm going to take? And then, of course, that then drives your weekly planning. And then I haven't shown it here, but there's a daily sheet then that you you know plan and prioritize. So for a self-starting entrepreneur that um, they think you know they have the capability to do this on their own, that's a fantastic tool. Um, and in fact, to any of my new clients, I'm going to be um, when this comes out, sending them a copy of it. Uh, I think it's going to really help our our planning processes. So these last two slides are just if you need more help, uh, sign up for a free discovery call. Uh, if you want some tactical planning tools, here's a good one that'll be out on Amazon next week. And cheers. Bye.